This message is brought to you by DoNotAge.org, the longevity research organisation that's on a mission to extend health span for as many people as possible via products that actually work. Start your journey today at DoNotAge.org and use code LAMA for a 10% discount. That's L-L-A-M-A. Hello and welcome to the Llama Podcast. I'm Peter Bowes and Llama Live Long and Master Aging is where we explore the science and stories behind human longevity. Today, reversing aging and powerlifting at 70. My guest is Sue Albert. Sue is a retired nurse and nurse educator who, at the time of her retirement, could barely walk. She suffered from arthritis and didn't move around very much. Sitting behind her desk was the least painful option, she tells me. That was quite a few years ago. She's since joined a gym where it results fitness in New Hall in California. You might be able to hear the clunks of a few weights and a few grunts in the background as people are working out. This has also been my gym for the past 13 years, and it's how Sue and I know each other. Sue is right now in the final stages of training for the International Powerlifting Federation's World Championships, taking place in Minsk in Belarus later this month. Hi, Sue. Hi. How are your preparations going? Going well, knock on wood. Knock on wood. (laughs) Do you feel ready? I'm about as ready as I'm going to get. Right now, I'm just trying to uh, make sure I do no harm. Do no harm. (laughs) That's the great medical ethic, isn't it? Yes. So you're part of the USA raw powerlifting team. What does the raw mean in that? It means that you're limited to the equipment that you wear when you lift. So in a raw powerlifting, you can wear specific wrist wraps, knee sleeves, and a belt, and that's it. And you're doing three different lifts, is that correct? You do three lifts. You do a back squat, you do a bench press, and you do a deadlift. And for any weightlifters listening to this, uh, what are your weights? What are are your personal bests? Uh, My personal bests are at 115 on the back squats, 92.5 on the bench, and 215 on the deadlift. That is for a 70-year-old with fake knees. I was going to say, that is uh, pretty impressive. Pretty impressive for anyone, (laughs) frankly. We're going to talk a lot more about that, your preparations for the competition, what you do at the gym here. But I would like to, first of all, start with really how you got here. And I mentioned that you were a nurse. That was your career for many years. Just tell me about working and uh, the time around your retirement when things changed quite a lot for you. Well, um, as I progressed through nursing, I was a nurse, worked the floor, as arthritis came in, then I had to take a desk job. And that's when I got into a high-stress desk job and ate my way through that job. Then I realized that I was going to survive till I retired. I wasn't sure I'd survive till retirement. And I thought, my goodness, I'm going to have to walk and move. And so I said, I better do something. And my husband had a friend. And he has his wife here, who is my best friend now, Jan Bernier. And he said... My wife went there, and she had a bad back. She had retired on medical disability. And now she can do this, this, and this. And I said, okay, well, we'll give it a try. So I walked in. Alan Cosgrove, one of the owners, laughs. And he says, you walk in the door, you get a 7 on their assessment test. I walked in the door and got a 5. So I was breathing, I think. But, you um, think? I think. <laughs> Wasn't sure. Let me you just know. go back. One thing you said, you weren't sure that you were going to survive from your retirement days. Were you serious? Were you that I was, it was physically an incredibly, hurting? It was an incredibly stressful job. 
Yes, I was in the hospital having things done on my heart and stuff. I'm hypertensive. I'm on a lot of drugs for my hypertension. I wasn't sure I'd survive the job. It's a very, very high-stress job. This was as a dean, a dean at a local community college of allied health and public safety. So I was responsible for all the nursing programs, allied health programs. As a, a health practitioner, you would have thought you would understand about health issues. Was it a yes. case of not doing as I say? Oh, yes. Do as I say, not as I do? Exactly. Oh, yes, absolutely. So you understood what should be done. You understood oh. about health and fitness and diet and exercise. Absolutely. But you were stuck behind your desk and you were just looking after everyone else but yourself? My way to get through a project, and they would be multi-million dollar projects, would to be my way through a bag of candy, hostess cupcakes, and whatever I could get my hands on. But how did you get to that point? Because that, to me, sounds quite extreme. And as we've said, you, yeah. you kind of understood the yeah. basics and you, you just, had you the just, education to know that was, you shouldn't be doing these it things. It was, for me, a survival mechanism, a complete, absolute survival mechanism. Later on, I found out that when, you know, I would drive all over Southern California to meetings, and I'd eat my way through the drive to stay awake. Later, I found out I had sleep apnea. You know, it's, you know, that was causing part of the problems, too. You know, I was doing all these things to be able to stay awake, to stay focused, and to get through what I had to do. How overweight were you? I, was, I gained 90 pounds in uh, the 10 years I was on that job. So I'm now um, 100 pounds overweight. I'm still overweight. You're still overweight, but you've lost I've weight lost since some, that point. I've lost some. I've gained some. Just one thing about powerlifting... This is the one place where I can have this weight and be happy with it, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, I am still overweight. And I still fight because I still go, gee, I want that. And sometimes I can maybe pass it up and other times I can't. This has been the bane of Craig's existence, I think. Craig is your coach here he's, at the gym. He's, he's sitting right with yes, us. And we'll talk to Craig in just a second. Yes, so, you know, that's a problem with me. Fighting my weight is a problem. So how many years ago was it that you retired and you came to this epiphany? Seven years, going on seven years now. And was there something that happened? Obviously, retirement is a big deal for anyone, but was there anything else that happened in your life to make you think, look, as you've put it, I am going to survive my working life. There is going to be a, a next chapter. Did something happen to make you think, look, I've got to change things? No, I knew I had to change things. I knew we wanted to travel. I knew we wanted to walk. I knew I had to do these things. I finally now had a chance to do them. To, and I had, you know, on and off through my life, I have worked out. I've been in multiple gyms around here. I was the aerobic queen. I loved high-impact aerobics. When I blew out my knees, that sort of took care of that. You know, when you hit a per place in your life, when you blow out your knees, you hit menopause, and you take a high-stress job, it is the perfect storm for a human being, particularly a female. And so the weight just starts coming on. So when you started coming to this gym and seriously started to work out, uh, you've explained you were a, a number five coming in the door on this scale of fitness, I suppose, when maybe you could have been a seven. How did you start? Craig did the programs. He did me itty-bitty little steps. It might be going up a step, you know, six inches. It might be sitting down, pulling something down. I rode that bike an awful lot. I really rode the bike a lot, you know, but he would do it, and then he'd try to do me something. I'd say, can't. I can't was in my vocabulary way too much, and I said it over and over, and he would just 
twist a little something, and then all of a sudden I could. And then I started to say, well, maybe if I did this, I could do this. So, you know, okay, I'll use the pad, and maybe I can kneel down on the th pad. And that opened up a world of possibilities to me. And it just little steps. And then I got to where I can do this, and so now I try the metabolic classes. Now watching me get off the floor in the metabolic classes in that day, that was kind of amusing, wasn't it? <laughs> they thought they might have to get a crane a few times. But we got up. But it just little baby steps, and then all of a sudden you realize you were doing this stuff. And I had my friend Jan, and that's when we got started. You remember the mud runs and stuff like that. And that's, you started, I can do this, let's do more. Let's see what you can do with it. But well, we did mud runs together. We did mud runs together. Did yes. you enjoy them? I did the first couple. The third one was a little rough. Of course, that was a near-death experience, so. What happened? That's when I had a hard landing off a 10-foot barrier. And I realized that if I had landed on my feet, that I would have taken my knees up through my uh, femurs and... Mm. That would have probably ended my career, period. Would not have been good. No. So I thought, well, let's rethink what we're doing. And by then I had gotten interested in powerlifting. And so I came back from that and I said, okay, let's take this seriously. Made Craig's day when I said I wanted to do the back squat, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, just for people listening who maybe haven't experienced mud runs, maybe we should explain what a, a mud run is. There are lots of different companies around the world putting on events like this. Uh, there's been one locally to where we are here in California, just outside of Los Angeles, it's essentially an obstacle course. It's, it's quite military in its style. You're jumping over fences and you're diving through tunnels and through mud and th through water. And it can be a short three miles. It can be six miles, depending on what you want to do. But it is, it is not for the faint-hearted, is it? No, it isn't. This one is an easy one that I've done. And I could walk it. There was no time limit. And I can't do high impact because of my knees. So I could walk it and I had my friends and we, could, we got through it. We slid through that mud, and we trained, and we trained, and we trained, and we trained. We know way too much about this neighborhood. Because you used to go off together midweek just to do we your would, we practice We would go off. We'd go hills. wandering all over Castaic Lake. That's a lake nearby, and we wander all over that lake. And we'd get lost up there, tripped over snakes, ate bugs. You know, it's all sorts of fun things, training. That's the beauty of powerlifting. It's indoors. It's, it's air-conditioned. <laughs> no snakes, no bugs. It's all good. <laughs> you did triathlons as well? I did a sprint triathlon. I succeeded in a sprint triathlon. Uh, it was very short. Not the bike ride. That was, for me, 10 miles. But I did the bike ride on a three-speed 10-wheelers, and five miles of that was uphill. So I was Still pretty pleased. I finished dead last, but I finished... <laughs> But just, just once only for a triathlon? Well, the second one I went into, um, I had trained and I was going to do a two-wheeler and I had everything. And I was, had trained with a, a swimming coach. And I came up from my air as the boat went by and inhaled half the lake. And so that sort of finished <laughs> the race right there. So you're doing things to help focus the mind now. You yes. decided maybe mud runs, maybe triathlons are quite not your thing. No. It's nice and clean and air-conditioned here no. inside the gym. So powerlifting is your sport. You've decided Powerlifting this. is my sport. It's wonderful. Um, it's focused. You take, your brain has to focus on that weight. You can't think about anything else but you and that weight if you're going to get out of it safely. And so that's, so you have this moment where nothing else in the world is there. Not your family, not politics, nothing. It's you and the bar. And literally, when you're lifting in a competition, you see the judge and you see your bar, and you don't hear or see you do anything else 
but the judge in the bar. And you get it. And you get that lift. Whoa, dude, I did it. And you turn around, you get your three light lights, and you're good to go. You know, you're ready for the next lift. And that's what's cool. And I guess one of the cool things about powerlifting is, I mean, here we are in the gym. There was a young guy just over here. He didn't look more than 20 years old. There's you, 70 years old, as we're recording this podcast. Actually, for the competition, you're going to be 71. But it's a gym of old ages, and, and that's the kind of sport that it is. It is. That's, that's what I was saying. I like powerlifting because, you know, any other sport, you know, pretty much you're out of luck after you're about 30 years old, you know. And the world competitions are for the youth, the young. Occasionally you see those 40-year-old swimmers or distance runners out there, but that's pretty much it. But powerlifting, look, this is a world competition, and they have a classification of people participating in this whole competition that are in their 70s. They have the 70s. They, I don't know if they're doing juniors or not. But, you know, one powerlifting meet, the person lifting in front of me was 10, 10-year-old boy. I was kind of hoping he wouldn't beat me, but... <laughs> You know, but I do compete within my own age group, my own gender, the way, how much I weigh. Everything is so you have a chance of success. And, you know, what other sport gives you that really that great opportunity to do that? And that's one of the cool things about powerlifting. What I'm curious about is you decided that powerlifting was your sport. It's what you want to excel at. How did you move from being, let's say, the, the happy amateur in a local gym to being world-class that um, you clearly are now. I showed That's up. That's quite a journey. <laughs> I showed up. <laughs> One is I have Craig. He writes my programs. And I said, you know, I, I went to him, and I think we had a big discussion, didn't we, Craig, about risk and reward. And I said, I want this. I really want this. And so he's worked with me. As I said, baby steps at a time. Well, I'll tell you what, let's, you've mentioned Craig a lot, your coach here at the gym. Would you want to just introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your journey here with Sue. Okay. Uh, my name is Craig Rasmussen. I've been at Results Fitness for almost 11 years now. I worked at a, a gym in Indianapolis, Indiana for about five years before that. Before that, I was a physical education teacher in Santa Monica, California. I taught seventh grade physical education for five years. Um, I've been involved with powerlifting specifically since around, I think I did my first meet in 1999. I've started a powerlifting team here at Results Fitness in around 2008, and we've been going doing two meets a year ever since then. And working with all types, all sizes, all, all ages. All types, all sizes. Sue mentioned this earlier about powerlifting. That's the really cool thing about powerlifting is people oftentimes kind of confuse it with bodybuilding or Olympic weightlifting. It's not the same thing. Powerlifters come in all shapes and sizes. If you go to a local meet, you see that there's everything possible. Every type of body type you can imagine is there because it's not about aesthetics. It's purely a sport that is about performance. Now, that said, you will see a lot of great physiques there too, but what matters is the uh, performance you do, not the, how you look. That's not taken into account in powerlifting. Well, let's delve a little bit deeper into that. Obviously, how you look does reflect your, your physical ability. So how is it that someone like Sue, by her own admission, is still a little overweight, yeah. can lift these weights at a high standard? Yeah, it's a great question. So when Sue started with us, and this is how most of our clients actually start with us at Results Fitness, is they're interested in how they look. They want to typically lose body fat. So she came through that journey and lost body fat. And there's several challenges where that body fat went way down. And then 
she kind of got really, I guess, would say bored with that to a degree and wanted to look for something different. Like, what's next? So this thing we call our executive athletes, one of, some of our older populations want to compete at something. So that's where powerlifting comes in, where you can focus on performance, whether it's in the gym or in competition. And most of the time by doing that, that will actually uh, give you a lot of aesthetic goals too. And that's definitely part of that process. But strength, aesthetics don't matter for strength, in all honesty. You can, get, you can gain some muscle with it, but body fat you're carrying doesn't really factor into it too, too much. So when you started working with Sue, where did you start? Uh, obviously, you're starting from a blank piece of paper, essentially with someone who hasn't had any physical exercise for, it seems, many decades in, in terms of serious exercise of this kind. Where do you start? Yeah, it's a really good question. Like uh, she mentioned... We do what we call a functional movement screen, where we look at how you move to kind of determine a starting point uh, for you. And Sue actually flat out refused to get on the floor for some of the tests because she didn't want to have to try to get back up, which is totally understandable. But, I mean, I think Sue would probably agree with this. She wasn't real happy when she came into the gym. She wasn't a happy person. So we were talking about this earlier, is that if you had to, we took a vote that day to see the person least likely to end up winding up competing in the IPF World Championships, Sue would probably have been at the top of my list. So it's amazing that she's come this far to be able to do something like this. I would have never guessed in a million years, and I try to be pretty optimistic, and we often say Martin Rooney, one of a, a famous coach out in, uh, on the East Coast, says, a coach believes in you more than you believe in yourself. That day, if you would have asked me that, I probably would have been a little bit doubtful. Um, but it, so that transformation has been, you know, amazing. We just start with baby steps. Like she mentioned earlier, we just try to get her to move a little bit better. Um, you know, using basic exercise progressions and we started where she is. And she mentioned the fact that, um, she was saying, I can't do certain things. So, okay, well, here's what you can do. And she gets a little bit of confidence from that. And then we get a little bit more confidence. And now she's at the point where she's not saying I can't. I'm suggesting things that she probably shouldn't be doing. She's no, no, I can do that. So it's been a real huge shift from there to, to get to where we are now. She doesn't, that's not in her vocabulary anymore. She doesn't want to be doubted on what she can do. So it's been a huge mindset change from, from the woman who didn't want to sit down on the floor because she was concerned that she couldn't get up, now to telling you, the coach, actually, yes, I can do some of these things that maybe you didn't believe she could do. Yeah, at that time, yeah, Absolutely. You know, we've had, she mentioned our talk about back squatting. And Sue's a woman who has double knee replacements. And obviously, when you have knee replacements, there's a concern that you're going to wear your knee replacements out over time. To her, powerlifting is that important to her that she's willing to risk that, that it may accelerate the wearing of her knee replacements to a degree. And we do things as safely as possible, too. We try to be really smart with how we, you know, program her loading and all that good stuff, too. So we factor that in there. But you know, we had to have that discussion about that. And that's what some people don't understand sometimes about competing and sport. Fitness and sport are two different things. We're not after fitness now. We're actually competing on a more of a recreational level. But with Sue now, she's on the competitive level with IPF World Championships, which is widely recognized as the preeminent powerlifting stage in the world, uh, the, a true world championships. She's on that level now. And Craig, what does this say to you about age and the potential of anyone to do something if they really put their mind to it? There are no limits, you know. You, you hear that all the time, and it can be kind of cliche, but I think it is very true. And I'm 46 years old now. Um, I've been involved with weight training for a long period of time now. And, 
you can't place limitations on people. You just cannot do that. You got to not start there with what you're, here's a ceiling. You can't have a ceiling. And that's really what the big lesson that I've learned when I'm coaching people now is yeah, you never know. <laughs> and you're heading to Belarus with Sue. Yes, I am. And what do you expect when you get there? What will it be like? I've been to the Nationals a couple times, uh, the USAPL Nationals here in the United States. Um, I've watched a lot of world championships on TV, so this is my first time actually attending. She's going to have a coach. There's a, there's a powerlifting uh, team coach for the USAPL team as well. Um, so I'll be more uh, observing than anything else. But I just expect to see a show. I expect her to perform at her best. Um, I think she's well prepared. She's got a lot of meets under her belt now. She's been through the Nationals. You have to actually go to the Nationals to qualify for this. And she mentioned earlier that, you know, I showed up. When you are 71 years old, there are not a whole lot of 71-year-olds deadlifting well over 200 pounds. So showing up's a big deal when you do that. You look at compare yourself to your peers at 70 and there's something to be said for that. So showing up matters. There's not many 50-year-olds or 20-year-olds, <laughs> for that matter, right. lifting that amount of weight. Yeah, so that's a big deal. Usually at this age, you you don't have any goals. You know, you're looking back. This, this is classic human development. You're looking back over what you've done. And you may look forward, you're going to take a trip, you're going to play a golf to golf. My goodness sakes, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at going, doing something that I wouldn't do when I was 25 years old. No way I was thinking of lifting weights at 25, 19, 18. This is not something I was doing. I'm doing something that I could not do when I was 20 years old, but I'm doing it at 70. I mean, that's a little different. And I think that's what's really, really cool and I'm excited about. And how does that make you feel? What does it do for you in, in there, in your head? Makes you strong. It makes you think you can t- you do. Th- I can sit there at home and go, wait a minute. I can lift this weight. I can figure out how to make this computer work. It it spills over to a lot of your life because you feel strong. You can face it. You can deal with things because you're not letting yourself get weak. You're not sitting there. Wait on me. Take care of me. I just don't want to do this anymore. My friend said, "Oh, you should take up water aerobics." <laughs> Let's pass on that. You know. You know, and I just, no, don't think so. And Jan and I were training once, and I'm sorry, I have to use the bathroom frequently when I walk. And so we went into the Y. We have, can't use their bathroom. We have to act like we want to join. So she looks at me. I have my mud run shirt on. She says, maybe you'd like the chair aerobics class that we have. And I'm going, oh, I'll think about that. Thank you very much. We'll call you back. But, you know, it's it's that idea that elderly are placed in a place they can't do it and I'm able to break out of that. This gym gets us out of that. We have a whole group of women here that are getting excited about moving and lifting and they don't like to miss their days in the gym and all of them around my age. All of them. I watch one lady now that used to say I can't too. Mary. She struts up to the weights now. She can't wait. And now she looks at it. Gee, is that going to slip out of my hand when I lift it? Not that I can't ever lift that. It's just how do I keep it from slipping out of my hand? And it's this focus that we are not done with life. There's a lot of life left in us. We're ready to move and groove. And let's do something with it. I was interested in what you said about the fact that you are a 
a weightlifter, you have that determination in your mind that helps you do other things in life, whether it's fixing the computer or whatever it happens to be. Does that stem in part from that moment when you're lifting a weight, when your only focus in life at that split second is lifting that weight, and you focus a determination to finish the lift? Absolutely. You did it. You succeeded. Every time you complete a lift, you finish that lift, lock it out. That's a reward. That's like, that's like a piece of candy. You know, that's your reward. Is it better than candy? It sure is a lot less calories. <laughs> <laughs> and that moment, the moment in the lift when I say nothing else matters, that's your only focus, mm-hmm. how do you feel? What's going through your mind at that point? I've done it, I've done it, I've done it. You know, I wait for the racket and I'm happy. And the fact that you're in this competition, is that an, that's an extra dimension, that's an that's, extra mental focus for you? That is a totally different focus. I was talking to Craig about it. I said, you know, when I went to the meets, I was, you know, little old lady lifting weights, okay, cool. But now I'm going to an, an international competition and that I'm representing my country. This is exciting, and it carries a responsibility to be the best that I can be. Broadening this out a little bit, let's go back to when you retired. You, you were in that mindset of coming towards the end of your career, wondering what to do next in a pretty awful physical state. What can you tell other people? What have you learned in the last few years through your training here at this gym and, and what you've managed to achieve that could benefit people someone mid-career who might be going in the direction that you were going, what would you say to them? You have to reassess your priorities. You have to put yourself, remember yourself in there. One of the things is I did as a manager, you know, and I talked to my people, they all want it to be good and get tenure and what have you, and I'd say, what is your relationship with your family? What are you doing for yourself? This job will end. What will you have when it ends? Will you have your your, your spouse, will you have your family, will you know who they are? That, to me, the family was very, very important. Certainly taking care of yourself. What are you doing for yourself? Why are you still here? I probably did not have the work ethic that my school wanted me to have in terms of what I wanted from my staff. I wanted my staff to be complete people, whole people, and that was not just being part of that job. And I, I, I do that all the time. I told them that all the time. Please, go home. See your family. Take care of yourself. You know, because when you leave this job, they won't remember you, but your family will. Please take care of yourself. And I think that's, that's really important. And yes, I did lose sight of it. And that's the great yeah. irony of this, really, isn't it? That you, yeah. you had this good advice and this good ethic for the people around you, but you mm-hmm. were the person who you were actually ignoring. Yeah. It was in a job totally out of my skill set, and that that was was hard on me. This has been fascinating. The best of luck with the competition. A few days away from competing, is winning everything, or is it it's the taking part? It's the taking part, and it's a challenge to yourself. I want to make the challenge. I want to win. I think Craig learned that at my very first meet. <laughs> I'm going. I want to beat that lady. What does it take to beat that lady? You know, I want to make the lift. Are old so, ladies very competitive with each other? Oh, yes. 
I could yeah. tell by the look in your eye that you were oh, going yeah. to say so that. I'm still smarting from the, from the nationals when I lost to a lovely 79-year-old lady who only made three out of her nine lifts, but she still beat me by five pounds. Don't think I'll ever forget that, you know. <laughs> but, that, but we are. We go for the gold. We are not messing around. One of the things about being this age is, you know, you don't have lo- know how long you're going to be able to lift. There may be no tomorrow, so you better make the most of it right now. I can tell you are making the most of it. This has been great, Sue. Thank you very much, and the best of luck. And, and Craig, thank, thank you, you too. Thank you. Thank you both. Well, that's it for this episode. If you'd like to get in touch, I would love to hear from you, especially if you've mastered the art of aging in a way that you once thought might be impossible. You can contact us through our website at llamapodcast.com. You can also follow us and leave messages on Facebook and Twitter at Podcast. Many thanks for listening. FlexBeam is a portable red light therapy device that's now being used by leading athletes, including the Norwegian tennis player Kasper Rude. Whenever you put the FlexBeam on, you feel it starts to work right away. I need something that can help repair all the fibres that I have broken in the surfs. The infrared lights penetrate your skin and makes the muscle tissue recover faster. FlexBeam, I keep it with me all the time. Recharge Health is offering Llama Podcast listeners an $80 discount on the purchase of a FlexBeam device. Go to the website recharge.health and use the code LLAMA at checkout. That's L-L-A-M-A. You'll also find the link in the show notes for this episode.